Hi everyone. Good morning. Bom dia. Hi everyone. Bom dia. Hi. So good to see you guys. Oh, that's better now. So good to see you guys. For those who don't know me, uh, I'm Paula. I used to be... Hey! Thank you. So good to see you guys. Used to be one of the elders at church, but then we had to move to Annapolis. Uh, but we, we love... This is still our family. This is still our church. So uh, it's so good to be here. I'm going to be the scripture reader. And I was only told that like... 50 minutes previously, but it's okay. I love it. <laughs> right. So we're going to read from Ephesians 5, from 1 to 2. It's already there. So follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Once again... Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. Thank you, Paula. Isn't it nice to have her back, for those of you that know who she is? And, uh, and the wonderful... And the wonderful... Um, hat-wearing guitar player was, is her husband, Rosario, and, and, his, and his mom is visiting from Brazil. Um, it's nice to have her with us this morning as well. Um, there, you know, it's, it, there's, there's a tension in me right now because I am just super excited about just the way in which people have come today. I am excited about the, the joy in the room, but I'm also deeply grieving for what's happening in the world and even happening on the streets of our city. And so I'm kind of in this, I guess it would be like a juxtaposition where I want to like shout and scream from the top. And then I want to get down and just get on my knees and cry. And I want to create opportunity for us to be able to do that in our gatherings. But there are people that we would call brothers and sisters this morning that are hunkered down and seeking shelter. And, and I'm not just talking in Ukraine. I mean, there are places around the world that are not in the news right now where there are people in refugee situations or even in their own homes that are experiencing um, trials like nothing that many of us have experienced. Some of you in this room, though, um, I've heard your stories and you can relate. I don't want us to, re to think that People in pain are always outside. There are people in pain inside. And so we, when we greet one another in here, it always looks like, oh, we all are, we got it all together. There's, there's this beauty and this um, uh, desire to just show each other that life is good and that there's no evil that has been coming after us. But I, I, I'm looking into the faces of many of you where I know you've experienced Great trials, great pain. Your families have been through a lot. Some of your family members aren't even here with us anymore because of the way that the trials of this world have come after us. And so as much as I want us to rejoice, because let's just be honest, we have a lot of th reasons to be thankful this morning. There's a ways that God has blessed us and ways in which his favor has been on us and we are totally undeserving. 
And so I don't want us to squander that today. And so I'm going to pray for this passage. And then I'm going to ask the Lord to settle my heart so that I stick to my notes and don't do three or four sermons today and just do one. So let's pray together. Father, the desire of our heart is to see peace in the Ukraine. Father, there is a meeting that's either happening now or has happened or will be happening soon between the prime minister of Israel and the president of Russia, Putin, and then other European leaders. And so, Father, I just I don't know what that's going to be like, but it's the only thing that I know to just pray that leaders are talking about peace. And Lord, would you hold those hearts of those men towards peace? Um, And Father, for our own city, just listening to the news even this morning um, and uh, in knowing that. 16, 14-year-old children weren't the victims of crime, but were the perpetrators of it. And not just crime, but, but, but homicide, Lord. And there's so much in our city that is at war. And Lord, there's so many wars even inside of our own homes. And we just ask for peace. But Father, we are also reminded with the truth that our enemy is not flesh and blood. It is a spiritual force that's at work in this world, seeking to still kill and destroy. And so, Father, would we have the maturity and the wisdom not to attack one another, but that we would have the maturity and the wisdom to know how to talk back to the evil in this world. And so, Father, would you strengthen us in all truth this morning? Father, we want there to be no room for lies. And Father, we are wanting to walk faithfully as imitators of you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. As for those of you that are guests, um, this is the, uh, a transition in a series. We're in a series called Devoted, and we're going to be continuing this series on for the majority of the year, but we're breaking it down into different sections. And this Sunday is the last of, um, of nine teachings that we've been doing in three weeks. So some of those teachings happen this week in minor and small ways through our prayer and fasting time. But over the last three Sundays, we've been talking about how Jesus called the evil one, the father of lies, and that his method are lies. And then we've been looking at how many times, over 40 times in the New Testament, the early church leaders told the church not to be deceived. And that the enemy's crouching, seeking to devour. And we've looked at scripture after scripture after scripture of how Paul was encouraging the early church. How John, who literally most likely at the Lord's table was seated next to Jesus when he was talking about Jesus. He was telling them there's a battle for your mind. The enemy wants to get thoughts in your head that will lead to all types of destruction. And so... Today's teaching is a summation of everywhere we've been, but I want to offer for those of you that this is your first time joining in, I want you to know there are some things I think that we can all learn afresh today. And so the words of our mouth must truly reflect the devotion of our heart. Even Jesus himself said, out of the mouth, uh, the heart speaks. And so out of our mouth, the, the devotion of God must come out, not just in our words, But our words are not empty confessions of meaningless terms, but they should be words that really do speak against the evil forces that are at work in the world. I've heard this said. This is a quote from a book that I've read. Victory in spiritual struggles is not a simple formula. It is not a matter of instructions on how to do it and what's and what to say in steps one, two and three. 
Victory is the fruit of our relationship with the Lord as we walk with him and learn to appropriate by faith the victory he has already given us. Jesus is our victory. So I agree with this in many principles. And I believe that the most important word in that quotation is the word walk. I believe that in Ephesians chapter verses 1 and 2, for today's purposes, the most important word I want us to focus on is walk. Because you and I can't just be happy that we're saved. We can't just be happy that we're forgiven in Jesus Christ. There, because of the forgiveness of our sins, we get to walk with him in this, what it would be very, right now, a very dark world. We can look for ways to escape, but, but there's also incredible ways in which we can fight against all different types of darkness, darkness. But the church needs to be the place where we learn to walk following Jesus. And as we change that song, we learn to walk together following Jesus. And then we're reminded that we need to walk with Jesus. And at the same time, the task is the church. For the world. The reason why there's conflict all around the world is because the church hasn't been authentic to the message of Jesus Christ. The church for over 900 years, almost a thousand years has been across all of Asia. The church has been there. There are hundreds, if not thousands of churches on street corners, but yet still people, even those that claim to be Christians have not matured to walk in Jesus's ways enough to not harm one another. Here in our country, we've had what, nearly 300 years of history, and we are still struggling to actually put into place the Sermon on the Mount in the church. We struggle with that because it's so easy for us to get off by a degree or two each and every day. And before long, we think we're following Jesus, but we're on our own walk. And Jesus is saying, hello, I'm over here. And we've got to learn to walk with Jesus. But here is where I somewhat disagree with the quote that I gave you. I honestly don't feel like Jesus wants his burden to be heavy. I think his yoke, when we're yoked with him, that it really can be light. Now, it's still work. Like, you still have to plow the dirt in the field. But when we are latched on to Jesus and whatever a spiritual yoke looks like, and then all my other brothers and sisters are latched on together, I believe that there is a more simple way for us to live in extremely difficult times. So the quote that says it's not a simple formula, I disagree with. Because when Jesus was making disciples of his disciples and he taught the church to make disciples, there was a simplistic, constant learn to pray. Learn to pray. Pray all the time. And so when we look at our experience, we must present ourselves to God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, because that then puts us in a place where we can access truth. It's not difficult. So we take the time to be present with God. We take the time to say, I need to be in the truth of God. And then at the same time, then I just walk with Jesus in that obedient truth. It should be that simple because being present means prayer. Being in truth means prayer. All throughout the scriptures, we find that 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. Now, let's just ask ourselves this. This is not any form of guilt or shame because 
We all come from different aspects of faith and, and journeys and where we are with Jesus. And, but here's the situation. If the early church was, to, was told, just don't stop praying, have we even taken the first step and start to pray? Have we learned what it is like throughout the day to say, Father in heaven, your will, not mine? What does it look like when you're in the lab or when you're in class or when you're going to the bank or you're paying your bills or when you're just saying, I need to rest? How do we invite God into every aspect of our life? Because he says that even the sparrows, he cares about them. How not more is he going to care about us? So he's interested in the intricacies of our day. He just wants to be in it. You know, my son's in the room and it's always danger when you, uh, as a parent, bring your children into your sermons. And so I might have to send him to counseling this week. But I'll just tell you this. There is nothing more joyous in my life for my son to say, hey, dad, you want to hang out? Like there's nothing. Well, it, Ginger, you know, it's her saying, hey, you want to hang out? That's really cool, too. But when <laughs> but when but when one of your children calls you dad or father or pops, um, there's just something that happens in your soul. And let me just tell you this. I believe I experienced the way that I experience it because my father in heaven experiences it the way I experience it. He wants to be in the day with us, whether we're in the Ukraine or we're here in the United States. He can handle the different geography, the different challenges, the different tensions, and he loves us the same. And so the simplicity of it is what we practiced all week. And it's the simplicity of what we shared last week when we told you that we would love for you to download and add to your um, smart, smart devices, whether an iPad or a phone, the Lectio 365 app put out by 24-7 Prayer Ministry. is because there's a way that we can discipline ourselves simply to pray without ceasing throughout the day. And so using the prayer method is what we talked about this week. So let me remind us of what that looks like in this simple, um, a little acrostic to pray, break it down. P is pause. R is rejoice. A is ask. Y is yield. And how do we just take our time um, to just in the morning, take a knee and just pause. And then to take a minute to just rejoice. Some of you can pause in a park and you can rejoice over the fact that there's a, there's a warm sun in the sky, or you can rejoice over the fact that the grass is actually starting to turn green, or you can rejoice over the fact that you even awake, awoke to the day, or you are employed. There's so many ways in which we can choose to rejoice, and then we can then begin to ask. Father wants to know. Dad wants to know what's going on in our life, and we can just begin to spill our hearts to him. But then we have to end our prayer with a spirit of yielding. And we've talked about this in recent weeks, and we're talk, we'll be talking about this more leading up to Easter and then Easter to Pentecost. Jesus is king. He's king. And it's his way in his kingdom. We can have our will all we want to, but the tension is going to be, am I following his will or am I following my will? And our prayers need to be a, all right, Lord, I've seen it. I know that your will is reconciliation. I need to lay my anger down and I need to go restore relationships with others. Or, Father, I know your will is you don't want me to be jealous. You don't want me to covet. So I'm going to lay that down and I'm going to now walk in a new freedom. Like there's ways in which we end our prayers with yielding. And so here's my question for us this morning. Or actually, it's two part question. Why must we learn to pray and learn about our enemy? Why are those two things important? 
And I believe this is the number one reason. Because if we don't, we will lose the one quality that makes us like Jesus. What do you think that is? It's on the screen. If you, if, can you say that? Online, let me hear you. Love. Like it's, it's, we cannot not learn to pray. We must learn that the evil one's methods are lies. Because if that, if, if we don't learn to pray and we don't call out the schemes of the evil one, you and I will first lose our love. It might start with yourself. It might start with somebody else. It might start in your family. It might start between somebody in the church. And before long, destruction and death and all types of other sins spin off of that. The one quality that should be the beauty between our relationships with one another, regardless of which church you attend, regardless of what giftedness you have, regardless of your personality type, the number one quality that we all have is love. So I don't care where you are in any personality test. There is no personality wheel that exempts you from being loving. There's, oh, well, I'm in that one section or that one quadrant that, you know, I can be a jerk to everybody because that's my personality type. No, there's, there's no room for that at the cross. There's no room for that identity in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, as Paula read this for us, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So we are to be imitators of God, walk in his love as Christ's love. And imitation can also be kind of like this idea of mimicking. Have you ever been mimicked? Have you ever had a moment where somebody did it in a way that was causing tension in your life? When you said something um, like, hey, I'm going outside, and their response was, hey, I'm going outside. And then you said, why are you repeating me? Why are you repeating me? And then they, and, and you were trying to like, hey, this is and, kind of getting tense. To, this is getting intense. All right. I think the illustration think needs the to illustration stop. the illustration is, needs to stop. I really do. I really do. Okay. You know, it's like, so there's times so, that we should mimic. <laughs> you know, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is, is that it is a natural, I want to look like you, I want to talk like you, I want to know what you think, I want to follow you. And I just want to say this to the church that I'm speaking to right now. This is not a message for anybody outside of this room, or, or this is a message for those of you that will watch online. I believe there has been a huge lack of teaching in our generation around the fact that we must live like Jesus until we spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. There has been too much, just get your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven, but there has been very little about what we do until Jesus either returns or our last day is called. And there is a king on the throne that says to the people that are trusting him for salvation, to say, we believe that you did all of that to forgive us of our sins and did something for us we could never do for ourselves. And then that king says back to you, then, yes, great. Now imitate me. And we're like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that. I don't want to learn your ways fully. And none of us would ever out loud say that, at least not many of us. 
But what are our words? What's in our heart? What is in our actions? What is it saying? Because Second Corinthians chapter 2.11, we read this last week. I want to remind you of it this week. Paul was saying to the church in Corinth, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. We need to know every morning when we wake up how the enemy is going to try to sow lies. We know that his method is lies. He doesn't need any other way than lie. That is what he wants to do. He, I, and I, I believe this passionately. I don't necessarily think that the evil one wants you to go out and do anything sinful. He just wants you to believe a lie so that you get off the path of Jesus. And then he could care less if you go live a good life. He just doesn't want you to have an effective life of inviting more people into the kingdom. And there are a lot of us that are just good people and we're totally good with that. But has the enemy got a lie in our head? And now we are doing something that really isn't kingdom. And there's really no difference between the church and a nice nonprofit in a community. So what does the enemy do? He does four things. He's an adversary. He's a deceiver. He's a tempter and he's a hinderer. I was trying to think if I could say adversarier, but I was like, I don't think that's a word because I was trying to make it all go together. But he is, and this is what he does. This is how he's so good at lies. Because you can do all of that just to get somebody away from their sweet spot. Just be an adversary, a deceiver, a tempter, and a hinderer. So let me run through that just for a minute. He is an adversary. In Luke chapter 4, 5 through 7, Jesus is tempted by the enemy. And we talked to him last, we talked about this story last week. He was trying to get the, I'm sorry, there's a, Jim, could you go through and unlock the door from the other side? Sorry, there's a door that got locked and I think some kids are uh, stuck. So <laughs> the, uh, that's slightly distracting, isn't it? I told you we were going to face distractions because I do think that the enemy does not want us to know his schemes and his ways. And so I'm intrigued by the fact that Jesus, when he met with the evil one in the wilderness, never corrected him in the sense that the enemy was promising powers in this world and kingdoms in this world. And Jesus never told him, you don't have authority to do that. He doesn't have the authority now post-resurrection like he did, but he was tempting Jesus. He was wanting to be an adversary to the will and the way of God. And there is the same way in which he's trying to be an adversary to us. Another way is as a deceiver and mixing that with a liar in Second Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15, it says this. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Like this is his deceptive way. He masquerades. He dresses up. He can even dress up like the church. Right. He can dress up and look like a good minister. He can dress up and look like a, a, a good community church. He can do so many things. He can masquerade. But it is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be their action. Their, their end will be what their actions deserve. I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan. I know some of you are as well. Um, in his book called The Screwtape Letters is a character called Wormwood. And I think his conversation as a spirit a, talking to another evil spirit summarizes this in a way that I think is really applicable for us. 
delude him, he says, into thinking that he, is, he still has personal rights. This is what Wormwood is saying to another demon that is meant to antagonize a Christian. Delude him into thinking that he still has personal rights and can claim ownership of time and possessions instead of having died to self and yielded them to God. Nothing works so easily as to find a period in time in which he reasons to have at his own disposal and taken away from him by an unexpected visitor. Let me just personalize this for you. We live in Baltimore. There are, there's a way in which we can leave our cars in the city that it doesn't matter where we park it. If somebody sees something inside of our cars, they take it, right? But if it's not ours and they come into our car and they leave our car without our permission, then isn't it less stressful? No. (laughs) But everything we have is the Lord's. And when we have a healthy perspective of what the Lord's is, and then something ends up being taken, there is a different way in which we can approach the fear and the anxiety and the pressure that then comes over us. He goes on to say, make him think his time is his own and it has been stolen from him. Even think about that as it relates to church and being asked to come to church related activities. Oh, this is my time. The church wants to take some time. You know, it's like sometimes we struggle even to figure out ways or how are lies getting into even my spending time with my brothers and sisters in the faith. Always encourage the sense of ownership. This is the advice from one demon to another. Encourage the sense of ownership as this readily creates resentment when it must be shared or given away or is lost. Create a tendency to use personal pronouns for what really belongs to God. My house, my car my family, my time. The temptation for us is to be deceived into thinking that Jesus isn't king, that everything is his, and to start thinking that it's just mine. And so the lies that the enemy wants to implant in us is, I worked hard for this, this is mine. And we do this in the church and in our own faith. I'm working hard for my own faith. In the 2 Corinthians eleven three, it says this, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So he's also a tempter. He's a tempter in James chapter one, verses 13 and 15. When tempted, no one should said, God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when we are dragged away by our own evil desires and enticed. Do you see what's happening here? We are dragged away by our own desires and there's been an enticement that a thought that has shaped our desire. And next thing you know, we're pursuing a desire that's really not there for us to pursue. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown up gives birth to death. You see the progression, a lie becomes a desire. The desire leads to sin and destruction. There's so many other verses that I could go to, but why, why would Jesus want us to have a mind placed on him? I believe Mark 14, 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So if you never learn to pray, how are you going to make sure that you are prepared to not fall into temptation because let me just repeat myself. The devil's schemes aren't, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. He's obvious. There's no new tricks 
He just lies and he uses himself as an adversary, as a deceiver and a liar. And he's trying to tempt us to fall away from him. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so I stop rhythmically throughout the day because I'm reminding myself my flesh is weak. I need to activate the spirit of God in me. I have to have the spirit of God working in me because my flesh is weak and I don't want to go off on a path of destruction. And then the last thing the enemy is, he's a hinderer. Paul actually to the church in Thessalonians says, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Can I just tell you this? Some of you are on the right path, heading in the right direction. And the only thing the enemy is going to do is try to keep bumping you off. And it's like the show Wipeout. Like, you know, the course, you know exactly where you need to go, but you step on something. And next thing you know, it's some swinging ball comes by or something pops out and hits you in the face or somebody is like, I just want you to understand that is how he treats some of us, not all of us, but he treats some of us like life is wipeout. And you know where you need to go. But I've always wondered why people don't choose just to walk around the edge of the course. And just get there. I'm like, is it against the rules? I've never seen anybody try it. They've never been corrected for it. But here's something else. And this is the point for everybody that came today that has heard nothing else in the series. I need all of us to hear this. This is an independent, standalone truth that I want us all to get. Romans 15:22. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. And let me stop. The evil one in Romans chapter 15 is not the one hindering Paul. The Holy Spirit is. So, wow, I think we just got the tension. So how do we determine the difference between the evil one hindering us and the Holy Spirit hindering us? Because when Paul was in this particular chapter of scripture, he had a desire to be in Rome. It was his desire to be in Rome. And the the Holy Spirit had created a moment for him in another city that revival was breaking out and people were coming to know Jesus and his will and his ways. And the Holy Spirit wanted him to be there. And he was fighting against his own desire to be somewhere else. So let me just tell you this church. We must learn to pray because the Holy Spirit may want us to be in a place that may be suffering and may and many times be in a place of a little bit more discomfort for the sake of the kingdom. But our desire is to be somewhere else. Can I tell you this? That's been a temptation of mine the last 17, 18 months. It has been hard bunkering down and riding out this pandemic with the church going through so much for two years. The temptation has been, all right, Lord, is there a church at the beach that needs a pastor? I'm telling you. I haven't necessarily done a resume search, but I've had a real moment where it was like, okay, Google search West Palm Beach, (laughs) even Key West. (laughs) I'm like, how far south can I go and still be in the continental United States and where it's warm 95% of the year? Can I just tell you that? I, I struggle with that too. It's in my heart to be in warm places. It's in my heart to be in easier places. And it's in my heart to drive my Jeep on a beach. I love to go to Assateague Island. I love to take it to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I love to ride around the horses and see them walk around me. I mean, and let me just tell you this. If it was the desires of my heart, there's a lot of weekends. I would be doing that than being here. 
And so I just want to tell us, church, there are desires that we have that are hindrances from the evil one because he planted a lie and it's turned into a desire that we shouldn't have. And then there are desires that are in our heart that are solely us wanting to go do something and the spirit of God is talking to us to do something else. So can I tell us, church, we must learn to pray. It's the only way we're ever going to figure it out. If we don't develop a rhythm throughout the day of praying, we won't know which person on the sidewalk we should stop and talk to and who's it okay to pass. We won't know who at work needs us that day, um, that we need to carve out time for a fellow worker, a neighbor, an employee. If we don't learn to pray, we could walk right by people in need because our desire is to go where we're headed and our desire isn't to do the will of God in that moment. We've got to be really careful because I do believe that God is in control and the enemy is not. He can only lie to us and then get us to choose to go a different way. And so we must fight against that in prayer. And I also believe that the enemy hinders and God can still get us there. I, there is ways that the enemy wants to put barriers in front of us and he can still get us there. All right, there's so many other things I'm just going to blow past because of the length of time. But I do believe that if we are going to get where we need to go, you and I must have a mindset that we are not going to conform to this world. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Is it a hindrance of the evil one or is it a hindrance of my own desire? His good, pleasing and perfect will. So how do we live a life victorious over the defeated enemy? I believe it's simple. It's two things. Number one, we need to be present with God and the church. You cannot follow Jesus on your own. There are places in the world where God sends a Paul-like figure that will go and carry a good news to a remote place seemingly by himself. But I just want you guys to know, Paul never went anywhere 100% by himself unless he was thrown into prison. He always had a group of people following him. So the church was always with him, whether it was two or three or it was a hundred or an entire city, Paul was with the church. You and I can't neglect loving God and loving our neighbor. And that neighbor neighborhood starts right here. And then the second thing is truth. Present with God in the church in truth, relentless pursuit of the truth and constant throwing away of the lies. So when I wake up in the morning, my prayer is, God, what is truth? At noon, when I take my lunch break, my prayer is, God, what is truth? When I'm getting ready to go to bed, God, thank you for this day. But where has a lie gotten in? Because I want to rest well tonight. So what is truth? But then learning that I can do that with other people. Like we can do this after church at the lunch table together. We can pause. We can rejoice. We can ask. We can yield and we can do it together. And the more we learn to do it together, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to remove all hindrances. It's going to take away all the adversary ways of which to try to get us to lie. We're going to see through all the deceptive patterns. All of that will happen when we learn to pray. All right. I'm actually tired. Let Jesus... I encourage you just to read the book of Ephesians this week. Ephesians 1.16, I have not stopped thanking God for you. What is that? Prayer. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. 
Ephesians 1.19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. When I think of all of this, I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father. We get to Ephesians chapter 3.16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength from the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Every occasion, that's the next step for us as a church. We are learning to do the right thing. Now we have to learn to do the right thing all the time. And let's learn to pray all the time between now and Easter. And then he goes on to say this selfishly, which I don't think it's selfish, but I want to say it is selfish because I love for you to think of me and pray for me too. ask God to give me the right word so that I can boldly explain God's mysteries, mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles and alike. Look, I, there's a lot of important things that are coming up between now and Easter. I'm preparing our Good Friday teaching. I'm preparing Easter teaching. We're preparing the Easter to Pentecost teachings. And it is so important that we understand how God has loved us and how he wants us to imitate that. And so next week, Lana is going to be teaching us on baptism and, the, and what that looks like in our life. And I know some of you are in, ready to take those steps And then the weeks after, we're going to look at the teachings Jesus gave his disciples on his way to the cross. Like when you think about it, as he knew what he was going to, the disciples had no clue. Why were those teachings so important that Jesus wanted to make it clear before the cross? And so we're going to focus on that leading up to Easter. And I hope that it's encouraging to you. And so here's the summation. The enemy's a liar. He wants to sow lies. The ways that we defeat it is we are fully present with the Father in the church and we learn to seek truth and we do both of those things through prayer together. Let's uh, pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And Father, the tension immediately comes flooding back to what our brothers and sisters are facing around the world and even some of our brothers and sisters in this city that are bumping against the sheer evil that, that, that is evident when evil gets into the head and lies became patterns of the heart and the heart desires things that we shouldn't desire and we do destructive behavior. Father, help us to harness the lies and replace it with truth. Lord, would you do that globally right now through your church? And Father, I pray that you would do that in the hearts of us this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, if you have never put your trust in Christ, we want to encourage you to do so. Um, Lana, myself, my wife, the other growth community leaders that you might know are here. We would love to talk to you about what that looks like. Um, But we also take time each service sometimes to ask questions. And today, because of time, we're not going to take time for that. If you have a question, you can send them through the app to us or you can email them to us. Um, But we do the Lord's table together. And I don't know if you have the elements. I know that I don't. Um, Thanks, Andre. Um, Many of you grabbed these on the way in. Thank you. But would you stand with me? I know that some of you are guests. If you are following Christ, we invite you to do this with us if that's the desire of your heart. Um, If you do not feel comfortable doing this, it's okay. You do not have to participate. But this here is a summary of everything we've been teaching. It's all about Jesus. It's all about following Jesus. It's all about imitating Jesus. It's all about acknowledging his great love for us. And so I would encourage you, um, once you have this in your hand, that you just join me really quick in just a, a, a quick prayer. Would you close your eyes with me? Father, as we get ready to step into this together, 
would you lay it on our hearts right now? The ways in which we've sinned against you and others, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And Father, show us steps towards reconciliation. Father, we want to yield to your direction for reconciliation. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, if you can, go ahead and remove the wafer in the bottom. And uh, if this is your first time with us, we make the Lord's table a talking situation. Because this is truth that you need to hear, but it's also truth that you need to get comfortable rolling off of your tongue. So we speak this over one another. And so when we get ready to break the bread that is a symbol of Christ's body broken for us, we literally try to do our best at snapping it in our hand without making too many crumbs. But then we look at one another and we repeat what's on the screen with this is his body broken for you. And so let's say that now together towards one another. This is his body broken for you. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And we do the same thing with the cup. And we speak this over one another because I do think that when we wake up in the morning, we need to remember that because we were sinners, Christ had to do this for us. And as we get ready to say what's on the next slide, I just want to remind us today that what Jesus did is good news for us, but we must pronounce this good news for others. Jesus's blood covers other sins of the people outside of this room. And they need to be told that their sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And so as we do this, let's say this over one another. This is his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And then we join in with the historic um, proclamation of the mysteries of Christ in the church. And would you say this out loud together with me? Christ has died. Christ is risen and Christ will come again. All right. Would you remain standing? I'm just going to do one announcement. It's the workday announcement. If we could throw that slide up. I would love for you to put this date in your calendar on Saturday, March the 19th at this space from 9 to 11. We are going to start making preparations to bring the first phase of our gallery kids back. We're going to do some improvements in our room. Um, And... Because the owner of this building has been generous towards us by cutting our rent through the pandemic, I'm offering some of our services to their facility to do some some labor for them for free so that they don't have to hire people to do things. And so we will have plenty to do as a church, whether you're um, able to climb a ladder or you need to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground. There will be plenty on different skill levels of things that we can do um, that will be loving towards the owner but also good for our church as we're trying to continue to share Christ with the smallest in our church and to the oldest in our church. So we're trying to do that effectively and make some preparations for Easter. So thank you for those of you that got your phone out. I see some of you who already put this in your calendar. Um, I don't have favorites, but you're really close. Um, so uh, here's our benediction. Would you just extend a hand towards one another? Um, we're getting really close to being able to hold hands again. So get ready. I'm praying in Jesus' name, we're going to be able to touch each other, the holy kiss, the the hugs, all that's coming back. All right, so here's our benediction. As we go from here today, may we wake up every day rejoicing. May we wake up every day realizing that the enemy is a liar and he wants us to believe lies. And may we have the discipline every day to never stop praying so that we never lose our eyes being fixed on Jesus Christ. And may God's grace and peace be with you.
Thank you guys so much. Spend some time lingering with one another and enjoying one another. Thank you for being with us online.